Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 1040 with Matt Abrahams. And I did a deep dive into different fields of academic research, different experiences to come up with a methodology that the book talks about. And I think anybody, people in restaurants, people in the legal profession, people anywhere can benefit from learning to speak better in the moment. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. If you're tired of the other tater, you ought to try Tater Cakes because it's time to serve the tater your guests deserve. Tater Cakes are shredded potatoes mixed with delicious flavors. All the best parts of a baked potato in the perfect handheld package from the freezer to the fryer to the guest. Serve them in a variety of different ways and in different applications. Great for dining, delivery, and to go. With all the uncertainties of the world today, we should be able to be certain that our food always has great flavor. And Tater Cakes provides that comfort in every bite. Request samples at taterkegs.com. That's T-A-T-E-R-K-E-G-S.com, taterkegs.com. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro, and they are launching their first time ever 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, it, more butts and seats, and that's not it. If you are interested in this, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. My name is Eric Cacciatore. I'm the founder and host of Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast. The Predictive Index, or PI, is a talent optimization platform that helps build happier and more productive teams. With the PI software, you will lower employee turnover, train your managers to be leaders, and keep your employees engaged. You can try PI for free and receive a 30-minute consultation from a certified PI partner, Ed Doherty, from One Degree Coaching. Head to restaurantunstoppable.com slash try PI. This episode brought to you by Owner.com. Owner.com is the leading all-in-one platform for restaurant marketing. Owner.com powers everything from SEO-optimized websites, direct online ordering, automated email and text marketing, built-in loyalty programs, zero commission delivery, and branded mobile apps for your restaurant that's integrated right into your POS. With Owner.com, there's no contract, no hidden fees, and nothing to lose. Join thousands of restaurant owners using Owner.com to grow direct online sales, save thousands in third-party fees and simplify their online ordering presence all in one book a free demo today at owner.com slash unstoppable and see why owner.com is the number one rated restaurant marketing software with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest professor host of the podcast think fast talk smart and author of the book think faster talk smarter how to speak successfully when you're put on the spot matt abrahams matt my man are you feeling unstoppable today i am absolutely feeling unstoppable eric excited yes. to be with you dude i'm psyched to have you here and now you are here one because you're an incredibly intelligent man who's been teaching people all about the power of how to speak in business and but Sam Cayucci, a past guest on the show and the founder of One Huddle, said, you know, you know, we, we, we both have podcasts. We're both in the world of restaurants. And he, I just really respect his opinion. And he's a yeah. smart dude. So he's like, you got to get Matt on the show. Uh, I, I got your book. I'm happy he put me in touch with you because, yeah. man, your book, I feel like it was written for me, dude. It, it, it was really great. I actually finished it this week while I was out here. And I can't wait to dive in. But before we kind of give the the listeners an idea of who you are, how you got to where you are today, and what we're going to talk specifically about today. Let's get that motivational, inspirational, ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Well, before I tell you that, Eric, I am psyched to be with you. I love the work you do. You are my, I am amazed at how many podcast episodes you. you do. I'm striving to, to the, have the success you've had. Thank you very much. Uh, so what motivates me, the thing I think about a lot is a quote I heard in the movie Buckaroo Banzai. Now I know I am 
a different vintage than you. So this is a movie that came out a long time ago. But the quote is this, no matter where you go, there you are. And it really helps me remember to be present-oriented in the moment. I have to focus on what I'm doing. It's very easy for me to get caught in my head. So I always think, no matter where you go, there you are. Yeah, I love that. And um, what what comes to my mind when I hear you say that is you're exactly where you're supposed to be is a mantra that comes up in my head because you're always comparing yourself to where you want to be. And like you compare yourself to other people and like that will stop you from like taking the step to get ahead because you're like, I'm nowhere near where I need to be. And like that anxiety of just like, I'm so far from where I want to be. You won't get there unless you start. And like just knowing that you're exactly where you're supposed to be is so powerful. Thank you for starting off with that. Yeah, no worries. Um, so, uh, Let's give us some context. The book, Think Faster, Talk Smarter. Uh, you might be thinking to this, why is Eric getting this person on the show about how to become a better speaker? We're in the restaurant industry, right? Yeah. I mean, as I say that, what's going through your mind? Well, I just think about customer service in general. Right. What makes the big difference between somebody's experience is the interaction I have, that connection I have, and taking the time to really think about how can I really connect with the people I serve, the people I, I'm in, that I run my restaurant for the the employees that I have. All of that comes down to communication. Right. We're in the experience business, really, yeah. at the end of the day. We're creating experiences for our guests. Uh, we're leading. We're, we're, we're talking to our people. We're leading our people. We're motivating our people. We're explaining why. We're convincing them to do things. We're selling ourselves to prospective uh, new hires. We are selling ourselves to prospective investors. Like We're constantly having to think fast and sound smart in the restaurant industry. So being a good speaker, I think, is critical. Uh, and to pay these lessons forward to our teams. Like So we're going to dive in today. Uh, we're actually going to be using one of your uh, frame, your pieces. Like One of the lessons in your book is to have framework. Yes. Right? yes. Um, so one of those pieces of framework is what, so what, now what. It's a little teaser. We're going to use that framework today. But we're going to modify it just a little bit, and we're going to start with who, what, so what, now what. So who is Matt Abrahams? Tell me a little bit, but like help us understand who we're talking to and why we should be paying attention. I'm somebody who's passionate about communication, always have been. From a young age, I've always been curious about and fascinated by how communication affects people's understanding, how p- communication motivates people, and how we can actually connect through communication. I'm somebody who, with the last name Abrahams, has always been going first. I've always been speaking in the moment. And when I came here to the Stanford's Business School, I was given a challenge by our deans. Several years after I had started teaching here, they came to me and they said, our students, some of the best and brightest business minds, are struggling with that cold call. You know what it's like when somebody looks at you and says, what do you think? And you're put on the spot. Our students were really struggling with that. And so what they asked me to do is, is there a way you can help them feel more comfortable and confident speaking in the moment? And I did a deep dive into different fields of academic research, different experiences, to come up with a methodology that the book talks about. And I think anybody, people in restaurants, people in the legal profession, people anywhere can benefit from learning to speak better in the moment. Right, for sure. And it's funny because I feel like the kind of people that are drawn to Stanford are the intellects, like the mm-hmm. people who are always really good in school, the book, the people opposite from me. Like <laughs> I was great at recess and lunch. That was my sweet spot. Like I had friends, I could socialize. And I feel like a lot of people are probably identifying that to, or identifying with that who are listening to this. Uh, so yeah, it makes total sense that maybe a lot of the people who would go to Stanford have social anxieties because right. they're probably, I, would, I don't want to make assumptions, but like I would probably imagine a lean towards introvert or like, you know, I don't know? know that that's true. Yeah, but, and, make... and just because you're introverted doesn't mean that you're nervous when you speak. It just means you're a little more thoughtful it, and it, it takes a little more energy. Yeah. But I think anybody, I mean, I, any of your listeners can think of a time where they wish they would have said something differently yeah. or they feel that rapid heart rate when somebody turns to them and says, hey, give me some feedback or somebody challenges them. Like, why Why does this taste the way it does? I expected something different. So in those moments, that's when being able to think faster and talk smarter can really help you. So the school identified that there was this pocket of individuals that yeah, are at the yeah. school who mm-hmm. uh, were struggling with speaking. Mm-hmm. And they said, who here can can help with our students? And they found yeah. you. Why you? I'm curious. Well, here at the business school, I'm one of the very few people who teaches communication skills. Okay. I'm known for being very applied in what I do. You know, in an academic institution, you can get very theoretical. But what motivates me is actually really helping people and giving them specific skills. And this was a specific skill that our students needed. So it made sense that they would come to me. A lot of my academic work has been on how to help people feel less nervous mm. when speaking. The reality is up to 85% of people feel nervous in high-stakes situations when they have to communicate. So I was a logical fit for this particular need, and it's one that was really exciting to me. I like that. Uh, so 
when did like the this journey start for you? Like when did you start the work for the the book? Because the book is where you are now. You published yeah. this uh, a month ago. You were recently, so yeah, yeah, real recent. But when did this journey start for you? Well, really, my journey and interest in communication started when I was a young kid. I okay. remember vividly when I was seven or eight years old, my mother insisted that my brother and I have a garage sale. I grew up in a place where everybody on the weekends had garage sales. My mother was so tired of all the crud and crap we had all around. She said, it's, we're having a sale. But she instructed us when we wrote our sign to say garage sale, she instructed us to misspell it. She told us to put a B in the middle of the word garage, which makes garbage. Mm-hmm. So everybody else was having a garage sale. We had a garbage sale, and we sold more stuff than anyone. And my mother to this day thinks it's because the misspelled sign drew people's attention. I think people thought we were stupid and they get better deals. Doesn't matter. What it taught me was through communication, you can influence people. So my motivation is to really understand how we communicate so we can influence people to see our point of view and we can unlock the stories that we want to tell, the experiences we want to give people. And if anxiety and not having the tools gets in the way, then we need to work on it so we yeah. can feel better. Yeah, I think in the book you started like when they when the school approached you to yeah. to, to take the lead on this project, you dove into like your research. And, yeah, yeah. And I think you mentioned um, uh, evolutionary psychology yeah. and then, like all yeah. this stuff gets me really excited. Oh yeah, I mean I love this sort of stuff really. So uh, I think we can start getting into the what because I think yeah. now like the, like the how does the brain work is the stuff that I'm interested in. I kind of feel like that's the first half of your book. Of yeah, like, it was like understanding the brain and how you work and yep. how you tick, and then the second half is more of the applied. Right, that's, that's, that's exactly right. So the book has two parts. The first part is all around this methodology, which you're right comes from fields like evolutionary psychology, yeah. like sociology, anthropology, neuroscience and even acting and improvisation. Those are what form the foundational parts of the six-step methodology. And then the last part of the book is really how do you apply that methodology yeah. in certain situations. So we're going to kind of use your book as our center line going sure. forward. Uh, and, I mean, I highlighted a few things uh, in the first half of the book um, in terms of the, that I think really apply to the restaurant industry, especially young speakers. I mean, yeah. just following the – I don't want to give your whole book away today. I'm going to try not to do that, but I want to give some great teasers. And I think the first thing is chapter one which is titled Calm. Uh, I I might have paraphrased some of these chapters, so correct me if I did. Um, But get into the first chapter and why you wanted to start with this idea of calm. The, the, the biggest impediment to any communication is anxiety. Yeah. Most people are anxious when they speak. So we have to calm ourselves down. And when it comes to calming ourselves down, we have to take a two-pronged approach. We have to manage the symptoms and the sources. So if you're a young waiter uh, or waitress, you might feel really intimidated coming up to a table of boisterous, loud, older people. And there are things you can do to actually help yourself feel more comfortable and confident. If you are trying to get funding for your, your business, your restaurant – you might get really intensely nervous getting up in front of the funders. So we can calm ourselves down. First thing we do, deep belly breaths. By Mm -hmm. taking deep breaths, it actually calms down the autonomic nervous system. Depending on if you're somebody who gets really shaky, you might try to do some movement in advance of the communication or during the communication that's appropriate. That gives that adrenaline a place to go. So they're very specific things that we can do to manage the symptoms. We also have to manage the sources. Those are the things that initiate it. What makes most people most nervous is two things. One, they want to get it right. They want to do the right pitch. They want to deliver the right service. And that gets in the way of actually doing it because Mm. you're so busy judging and evaluating, you get locked in your head. So if we turn that volume down a little bit, it can really help us to focus on what's needed. I talk about connection over perfection. The goal is to connect not to be perfect. Yeah, that's the next chapter. Yeah, it is. I'm (laughs) highlighting. I'm previewing. And then... The other piece that really makes us nervous is the goal that we're trying to achieve. If I'm trying to get funding and I'm worried that I don't get funding and all the bad things that will happen if I don't, that gets in the way of me being present. Right. So the way we turn down that anxiety of, that's goal-based is to be present-oriented. Yes. And there are lots of things you can do. You can focus on the communication. You're a great listener. And part of what helps you get present is to listen intently. You can – before you walk into the room, you can be really focused on – the moment. How do you do that? Start at 100, count backwards by some challenging number like 17s. Listen to a song or a playlist like an athlete. There are things we can do that bring us into the present, which help us avoid being worried about the future. And that allows us to connect, 
and to get our message across better. So symptoms and sources are how you manage anxiety. I love that. And you started to get into it, and it was a question. You, it was almost like you were reading my mind. Like, the, <laughs> like, why do we get anxious? And you said it's because we're thinking about not doing it right. Um, yeah. Is there any more, like, science that you – like, this is the stuff that I'm just really generally curious about. Like, why like, – Yeah. Like, why, why are we so afraid of, like, public speaking? What is it about public speaking beyond getting it right that yeah. messes with us? What's, what's going on there? Well, it, it, those of us who study this believe it comes back to our, our innate being human. It's evolutionary. So when our species was evolving many, many thousands of years ago. You get into the good stuff. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. That's what we, I love. We, we hung out in groups no bigger than 150. We would for, form groupings of about 150 people. And your relative status in that group, and when I say status, I'm not saying who drives the fancy car, who's got the most social media likes. I'm talking about your place in the hierarchy. Right. If you had higher status, good things happened for you. If you had low status, you risked survival. You didn't have access to food, to shelter, to reproduction. And if I would do anything that jeopardized my status in that hierarchy— Challenge the authority. That's right. It would cause potential downfall. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So those of us who study it believe it's part of being human. And we see—and here's why. One, it's ubiquitous. It is found in every culture— and it starts around the same age when kids go into their early teen years is where we see a huge spike in social anxiety and the anxiety of speaking in front of others. And if you think about it, that's when they're becoming adult contributors to the society. Yeah. So those of us who study it see this as evolutionary. Now, that doesn't mean we can't manage it. Even though it's built into us, we can do things to actually help ourselves feel less nervous. Man, if I was alive 15,000 years ago, I would have been kicked out of the tribe so fast. <laughs> and you would have had a really rough life, right? Yes. Yeah, I absolutely. don't think people realize how much we need each other and why. So much to the point where we're afraid to speak because that we're that dependent on each other. It's That's crazy. exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild to wrap your mind around. Um and then you, you mentioned something else, getting it right. And I yeah. think – so I don't know if I share – I think I might have shared this once or twice on the show. When I was um, – when I graduated college, I was working part-time and I was getting – I got another part – I was working full-time. I got a part-time job uh, as a server for the first time for a bigger – I always worked in restaurants, but I was always afraid to be a server because I was like, I'm going to get things wrong. Like I'm not going to be – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to – I can't remember a lot in my head. I have right. to like – I can only have like a very shallow depth of memory. So right. like if I get stacked with a table of six with a bunch of orders, like I'm going to mess something up. I always knew that about myself but I, I said you know what everyone tells me i'd be great at it because i'm sociable like i i care about people um i'm gonna give this a shot i'm gonna give it serving a shot i got this job serving for a company called margaritas um mm-hmm. really well respected mexican restaurant in the northeast and this is going back 2010 so like this is they were like even more well i think they're still well respected but they were like kind of a big deal back then and they they had these well, not scripts but they were very specific about how you said certain things mm-hmm. and I was always so afraid of saying it wrong and I couldn't speak as somebody who's such a natural free flowing speaker being put on script totally sunk me. I couldn't do it in the world of this is a a conversation that comes up a lot. This idea of putting people on script or just being natural. Like where do you fall on that? Like I already know the answer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you'll be very surprised. Eric. I don't believe in scripts and, and let me explain why when you have an idea of what is right, It gets in the way of actually communicating effectively. Here's why. Think of your brain as a computer. It's not a great analogy, but it works. When your laptop or phone has lots of apps and windows open, it performs less well. It's too busy trying to run all those things simultaneously. Your brain is the same way. If I'm if I'm trying to remember the script and track the script, it becomes very hard for me to be connected to you, to be communicating what's important to you. So that's why I say it's yeah. about connection over perfection. So the question becomes, I always get, great, I get it, I shouldn't memorize, but what do I do? And that's where these frameworks that you alluded to come in. You have a roadmap. It's hard to get lost if you have a map. You know where you're going to start. You know where you're going to end. But you don't know exactly every word you're going to say. Mm. And in that, you have the freedom to have a conversation, to add, to subtract based on what's happening. But you know that through line because that's the direction you need to go. And the book has lots of frameworks that can help you. Just like you said, what, so what, now, what is one? There are many others. So I believe rely on frameworks, not scripts. That allows you to connect, be present, and maximize your brain's ability 
to focus on what you're saying. Framework is the secret to the success of this podcast. Everyone's yeah. always asking me, like, how do you do 10 interviews in a week and yeah. like traveling all over the place? I'm like, the format's the same for every interview. I'm yeah. just plugging a different story. Into exactly. It. It's time. Who are you? How did you get to where you are? What do you believe? Where are you going? That's the show. Yeah. Uh, and and, it, and it, it frees up my mind to be present and to focus on the guests and just to listen and pull things out. I love yeah. that. And and you're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, in the book, I interviewed a woman who designs kids' playgrounds. And you're saying, what the hell does a playground have to do with structure? They literally have play structures. And what she taught me was fascinating. Kids play more, they're more creative, and they have more fun when there's a structure rather than when there's no structure at all. Yeah, you said they beat each other up when there's yeah, no structure. Yeah, so, so what they do is they use each other as structures, right? But the point is this, that structure actually provides freedom. If you think about it, we see this in jazz music and jazz musicians. They don't play random notes. They actually play regular chord progressions that they've practiced. There's a structure to what they do, but that structure gives them freedom. If you've ever seen improv where people just get up and make stuff on the spot, they're actually following rules. People know the rule of yes and. There are a whole series of other rules, and by following those rules, it frees you up. So I love that you see that your podcast is a structure that helps you get through it, and that's great. So – this, the next chapter, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, this idea um, of not trying to be perfect. I think you yeah. mentioned that real quickly. Yeah. Um, why is why has it helped to, to, to be okay with mediocrity? <laughs> so the, ti- the, the title of that chapter is Maximize Mediocrity. Yeah. And that is one of the first things I tell my students on the first day of class. And you should see their jaws drop. I mean, these are students who've never been told. <laughs> yeah, they've, nev- they've never been told to be mediocre. But that's the secret. That's the unlock, I believe, to letting go of perfection Mm -hmm. and being right. If you just give yourself permission to do it, to answer the question, to give the feedback, to make the small talk, rather than trying to do it perfectly, then all of a sudden you have that cognitive bandwidth to do it really well. So I'm not saying never judge or evaluate. That would be silly. You should do some, but you have to turn that volume down and give yourself permission just to answer the question instead of trying to answer it the best way you can. So that strive for mediocrity piece is really about helping people understand that they can just get things done and that will help them. Yeah. Uh, and again, like I feel like this book kind of reinforced a lot of what I've intuitively mm-hmm. felt in yeah. like I'm, I identify as a student for a reason. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be the expert. I don't want to be the right. coach because I feel like when you identify, when you lower the bar on yourself, it gives you room to, to publicly be vulnerable and to think and to yeah. ask questions. Yeah. And, and when you, that's why I love being a student is because I get to go to really intelligent people right. and ask stupid questions. And it's just like, it, it's almost like a, a security blanket of like taking the pressure off of right. myself. You know, I'll add to that that in my podcast, I interview experts on communication. And the one thing that is consistent across all the guests in terms of their personality is they're like you. They're really curious. They they might be expert in some domain, but they are really curious and they're willing to ask questions. And even if those questions are seen as stupid, it's it's I I think a trait of of people who have high emotional intelligence yeah. and it's one that helps people connect. So I love talking to people who are curious. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, most of the best teachers I know are the best students. Yes. Yes. And one of the biggest lessons I learned back from my commercial pilot days is you don't have to know the answer. Yeah. You just have to know where to find it. That's right. And yeah. be willing to say you don't know it exactly. and look for it. That's yeah. right. And That's right. Yeah. I think people would, people are more, uh, accepting of, I'm not sure, let me get back to you in two seconds, then giving them the wrong answer, right? Or making something up. That's right. In fact, there's some research that backs that up. There's research that suggests you come off as more credible if you say, I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out and I'll get back to you. Right. Then if you had actually given the right answer. So when people listen and you say, I don't know, but I'm going to get back to you and you actually do follow up, they think that person's tenacious. Yes. That person is it understands the moment. That person is willing to be vulnerable and say, right. I don't know. And that actually increases credibility over just giving the right answer. Right. So I'm not saying you do that purposefully, but we feel bad when I say, I don't know. We feel like we're making ourselves lesser. Right. And in fact, you might actually be helping yourself. Look at others. the extremes this person is willing to go to to go get me the answer. They yeah. must really care. Right? That's right. And they yeah. want to know and they want to serve me in a way that's helpful. So yes. So a little side note managers and owners if you're listening to this make sure your people know where to get the answer yeah like just that's what the operations manual is for right right protocol if yeah. this then that yeah you know like in like com- company history like 
just they don't have to have things completely memorized, but they do need to know where to get the answers. Uh, so make sure they have those resources. I think in the restaurant industry and in any industry I consult in, frequently asked questions are critical because they pass along that knowledge you're talking about. And they also, here's the thing, another plug for structure, when you craft your operation manual, your frequently asked questions, do it in a consistent structure because you're you're subtly teaching that structure. So when you see an operational manual that's in what, so what, now what, and you read it, you're in, you're in becoming aware of that structure just by reviewing it. When you see frequently asked questions that are answered in a certain way, you begin to learn how to answer questions in that way. So not only are you teaching the information, you're teaching how to package the information when you have to use it. And that's important. Right. Uh, I think now is a good time to take a break to thank our sponsors as I think we kind of unpackaged the things in the first half of your book that really, I think, applied mostly to the restaurant industry. We'll be right back to talk about some of these applications. If you're tired of the other tater, you ought to try tater cakes because it's time to serve the tater your guests deserve. Tater cakes are shredded potatoes mixed with delicious flavors. All the best parts of a baked potato in the perfect handheld package. From the freezer to the fryer to your guests, tater cakes comes in a variety of flavors, including bacon, cheddar, chive, buffalo chicken, bacon, jalapeno, and more. And I got to hone in a little bit deeper here on this deliciousness. Bacon, cheddar, chive features creamy cheddar cheese, big bacon bites, sour cream and a hint of chives and of course crispy crunchy potatoes Mm, sign me up for that you can serve them in a variety of different ways and in many different applications great for dining delivery and to go with all the uncertainties in the world today we should be certain that our food always has great flavor and tater cakes provides that comfort in every bite request samples at tatercakes.com that's t-a-t-e-r-k-e-g-s.com tatercakes.com Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often, Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-Day Pilot Program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. We are back. Um, so we're still in the, the, the so what, right? What's So what, now what? So what? And I don't really know how the now what is going to be different from actually explain that to me if we're so the now it's what comes next yeah. okay. so the now what is what comes what are you going to do with this right so if if i were in your shoes as the host of this i would be challenging the audience and say okay you now have some new tools some new ways of thinking what are you going to do personally what are you going to do for your staff what are you going to do in the future given this information you know the yes. way we learn is we take the information in but we really have to think about how we apply it okay so in my mind the format of today's interview was just now what or so what so what now what and it had to be all at once, but now I'm seeing that you can just like recycle it through the conversation. That's exactly right. Okay. Yeah. So that's... you can do loops of what, so what, now what, what, so what, now what. In fact, most of my answers have been in that structure. I've told you what the answer is, why it's important, and I explain how people can use it or Learning do it in real time. That's right. I there love you this, go. Man. This is there great. You go. So the the second half of the book is about these applications, mm-hmm. um, and I think small talk is huge in the yeah. restaurant industry. Yeah. Think about why. Like, what, what are some of the examples of you can think of where small talk would be huge in the restaurant industry? 
Well, so when you greet a customer and, exactly. there's, and there's a waiting and there's a wait, you know, and somebody's got to stand there, you can make some small talk. When I find in my own personal experience, and I, I, I like going to restaurants, and I, I find that the, the servers who come up to me and initiate conversation, and it's not just trite conversation like, hi, how are you? Or what brings you in? But maybe they notice something. They say, oh, I see you're, you're it looks yes. like you're all new to this restaurant, or it looks like you, you're getting together after you haven't seen each other for a long time. By initiating small talk that's meaningful, you build relationships, you build trust, you build the opportunity to connect and maybe extend uh, the time spent. It's great. Increase your your tip, maybe yeah. uh, develop a relationship, get them to like you. you Absolutely. Know, so this is the this is would be the so what so what now what is yeah because it's in, this is what's in it for you, That's right? A, like so yeah. like this is how like. I don't know. Maybe I'm stretching the, the format a little bit. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're smiling and shaking your head, but I feel like I'm swinging and missing right now. No, you're no, 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 you're not. I mean, the, what, what I, if I were uh, a server at a restaurant hearing this, I would be thinking like, wow, this is a way for me to actually really enhance the experience of my guests. So that's the value for the guests. And for me, in so doing, they're going to like me more and maybe they tip me more. Maybe they tell my manager that I'm a good a server. So there's a lot of benefit both for, for you, the person who's doing it, and those you, you speak to. Yeah. And I think where servers are very guilty is they just have these like like they just go they're just you know marching along they have like these like right. these scripts yeah. that they just kind of spit out like what can i get you today how are right. you you know like right. leave like break it up a little bit like look for something unique like oh i love your shoes or like yeah. where are you coming in from today or like start the conversation and treat them like a friend don't just like check right. the boxes and in fact there's some research that was done with re- restaurant servers that when you do something that feels unique that it's not on script, that it actually really connects you. And tips were increased yes, by that absolutely. When, when you when you do something unique. So, you know, if you come back and check on somebody and said, hey, I know you wanted that medium. Did that come out all right? Or you do something that's very special for a person, that changes dynamic, yeah. dynamically changes the relationship. So not only does the server get possibly a better tip, but also you're gathering data. Yeah. You're, 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 you're getting in there. You're, you're asking questions. You're finding opportunities to, to go above and beyond and do the unexpected because that's you have right. this information to work with. You have opportunities to upsell. Oh, you like right. that? Well, right. this would go pair really well with that. That's you know, right. and like, but you can't make you can't do these things unless you don't have the data to yeah. to to like take you to the next step. That's right. exactly right. So, so part of small talk, you know, I think small talk gets a bad rap. Everybody's like, oh, I just have to suffer through it. But in fact, big things happen during small talk. I love like your talk. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> you're you're an anomaly. Yeah. Most people don't. Uh, what you have an opportunity to do, though, is to connect, to learn, to extend and expand. Give yourself the data you're talking about. So we need to look at how we do small talk well. And, and the biggest bit of advice came from somebody I interviewed on my podcast. Her name is Rachel Greenwald. Fascinating woman. She's a professional matchmaker and an academic. Figure that out. And she told me in small talk, in conversation, your goal is to be interested not interesting. Mm. That means you lead with curiosity, you lead with questions, you get the other person talking and then you comment on that. Many people, especially in the restaurant industry, feel like they've got to come out and, and present you with the experience rather than see what you're here for. What can I do for you? So I think a lot of this of being interested instead of interesting really helps. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that comes to mind in terms of where does small talk like come up in the restaurant industry, like if you're a, if you're a manager... And you're trying to develop rapport with your staff. Yeah. Uh, take the time to really just ask questions and take an interest in them. Like, how can you expect your employees to be interested in you and your business if they don't? If you don't take the time to get interested in them, it, it's it's absolutely. Yeah. It's not only about asking questions; it's about remembering things. Mm. So, how powerful would it be if you have an employee who tells you some personal information, and the following week you say, "Hey, how is your grandmother doing? I remember you said last week mm. she wasn't doing so well." That sends amazing care and information to the employee. They're like, oh, this person cares for me. So I'm not saying be disingenuous. I mean genuinely care. But it's not just asking the questions. It's remembering and the follow-up. That's what really builds that bond. Right. So these, I think we can wrap up this, this section unless yeah. there's anything else you want to bring to the conversation. No, no. I think I, you hit all the points. Yeah. So application number two in your book was – Toasts, tributes, and introductions. Yeah. Um, I feel like w- when I was going through this chapter, what, what stood out to me, how I connect this to the restaurant industry is the the recognizing of people is so yeah. important in the restaurant industry. Not just your guests, but internally. Yeah. Recognizing during your, your, your weekly meetings, your, your 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 quarterly meetings, taking the time to really stop and to, to I guess it would be to, to tribute. To pay yeah, tribute. Give a tribute. To, yeah, yeah. yeah. So why is paying tribute? So like, get into that. So... 
recognition is important. You know, you think back to when you were in elementary school and you got the star for the day or somebody said, yeah, and somebody said, hey, that's a really good job. Doing so really makes us feel good and it makes us feel validated. Most of us have a desire and feeling to belong and a feeling to succeed. And when you recognize people for the work they've done, it is very helpful. And the other thing it does is it builds you credibility when you have to give constructive feedback. Right. So if I have to tell you you've done something that's inappropriate or wrong or I want you to do differently, it sounds and feels different if you also know that I give you praise when you do things well. If all I do is criticize you, never give you praise or pay tribute to what you've done, that feels very different. So taking the time to give tribute to really highlight, not just for the person but maybe publicly for others, can really change the way that you relate to people. Let's bring us back to the anthropology and like the, yeah. the, the science. Do yeah. you know any like cool little – this is just me geeking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So human beings have a strong de- desire and need to be belong. When we don't feel like we're connected, when we don't feel like we're contributing in a meaningful way to a relationship. Part of the tribe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It really, really makes us feel bad. Literally depression, loneliness. Physiologically, we get sicker longer if we don't feel connected or belonging or have a sense of belonging. So anything we can do to signal – Care, belonging, and connection helps people feel good about themselves and work better, harder, and want to stay longer. So it it pays many dividends from a work perspective, but just from a personal health perspective. It's wired into us to be social beings. In fact, some people argue that the whole reason we communicate is to signal belonging. Mm. Interesting. I see. If you have any of these nuggets going, yeah, yeah, brother, please drop them. I I love this stuff. But this is why it's so important to have rituals. Yeah, uh, to bake rituals into your business where you make recognizing people a ritual and make it a thing that happens regularly, and really go out of your way and create systems and processes for your managers that so they are forced to take the time to be present and to see your people and to and to to recognize them it's so important and it, it's huge for culture one of the superpowers that my mother-in-law has is something i think we can all benefit from she's got a black belt in connection and small talk and making people feel comfortable and she has three simple words she uses to help she simply says tell me more yes so if you take the time to give people space to share and to say, tell me more or something like that to really give them permission to extend and expand that makes a big difference. You know, when I have a restaurant experience and I sit down at a table, sometimes the servers come in just so quickly, Get this, the, the job is just to get you stuff on the table versus to really connect. So when somebody says, oh, what brings you in? And I say, they say, oh, you know, that's interesting. Has that happened before? They ask a follow-up question. Makes a world of difference. Doesn't cost them anything. But it helps me feel more connected. I like them more. They ho- I hope they have a more positive experience. Tell me more is an amazing way to connect. Do you have any framing for how to, to like recognize people like a good approach? I know yeah. that in the, within the books you share framings. I can't remember if there was it's, one for it's, that. So it's what, W-H-A-T. What is why are we here? So when you're giving somebody a tribute, let's say you're at a staff meeting and you want to give somebody a tribute or, or a toast or an accolade of some kind. Why are we here? Hey, we're here to share with Eric how impressed we are with the latest podcast episode he did. So you explain why you're here. Then you may need to do the H, which is how are you connected? So if people don't know you and how you're connected, you would explain that. Now, if you're the boss or the general manager, you don't have to say I'm the general manager. People know that, so you skip that step. Then it, tell an anecdote. Our brains are wired for story. We, our brains light up when we hear stories. When people just list accomplishments, we don't remember them. We, it's hard for us to keep track. But when I package it in a story, when I talk about – the the episode that you did and how powerful it was and what it moved in me, that's a story that people remember versus saying just a list of information. And then the final part, the T of what, W-H-A-T, is thank you. So you want to express gratitude. It is in expressing gratitude that we give the gift. A toast is really a gift. A tribute is a gift. And, and when I express that gratitude, that's when I'm giving you the gift. Yeah, so I feel like in the restaurant industry, the why are we here is big. We definitely probably skip the how unless we're probably talking to our team most of the time. Then you tell the story of why you're recognizing somebody, yeah. like what they did, yeah. and then it's the follow-up thank you for so that's exactly. the full thing. And in the story, what you're doing is you're actually teaching other people too. So you're saying, hey, what Eric did – 
the rest of you, this is a learning for you. I don't speak it, but by celebrating it, you learn. I'll give you a real quick story. When I have two children. When they were very young, I would go into their classes and I would read to the class. I was there once and the teacher had to take an urgent phone call. So she actually left the room, which I think is probably not the right thing to do. So she left me in the room of kindergartners and chaos ensued. I literally, she left the door and just chaos erupted. You can imagine. And what do I do? I start to say, Johnny, stop doing that. Sally, you shouldn't do that. Stop doing that. Sit down. She comes in, looks, smiles, and then in a Yoda-like way, she just starts rewarding people. She's like, Stacy, thank you for sitting down. Paul, I love how you're walking with the scissors. Instantly, the kids started behaving. They, they learned. Wanted they wanted to be seen. They wanted to get that positive accolade. And it was by focusing on the positives that they learned rather than what I was doing, which is trying to stop the negative. Yeah. Um, can you get into the story, like the evolutionary like, uh, benefit of the how story is just because sitting around yeah. a campfire, like, oh, yeah. this is just what happened to me or like you should. Like, what's, right. what's so, going well, on there? So if you think about it. Human beings have had spoken word far longer than they've had written word or or PowerPoint or any of these other tools. So the way that we used to communicate information was through stories. If you think about mythology, if you think about the way in which uh, all of the religions and all of the philosophies convey information, it's through story. It's through fable. And so our brains are wired to process that information. Our brains have different brain systems. There's a verbal system, an auditory system, a visual system. And when you tell a story, you activate all of those systems simultaneously. When you just read the written word, that's primarily the, the visual verbal system. But when I tell a story and I vary my voice and I slow my pace, now I've got the auditory system. So our brains actually encode information better when it's in story fashion. I interviewed somebody. His name's David Eagleman. He's a very famous neuroscientist on my podcast. And he said, you know that part in Star Wars where Luke Skywalker's spaceship is flying down that canal and he launches that torpedo and it goes into that hole and blows up the Death Star? That torpedo, he said, is a story. And what it did to that Death Star is exactly what happens in our brain. Our brains light up. Different areas come online. We remember things more. Our brains have been wired for story. Yeah. I'm going to get a little tangential here. I feel like it's, sure. it's, it's related, but it's not necessarily directly what we're here to talk about today. Um, we live in a world where I feel like so much of the messages are, are getting shortened and shortened and shortened. Yeah. Uh, I know in your book you talk about the importance of being concise and mm-hmm. getting things out in as few words as possible. I get the power of that. But are we also moving in a, in a, a like – in a direction where we're not really taking the time to sit down and have long format conversation and really just to be present into like to talk. Like I feel like everything's trying to be fit into an algorithm or like a 30 minute time block to, to make room for more content. You bring up a really interesting conundrum that exists. So I believe the most precious commodity we have in the world today is attention. And our attention is constantly being pulled in different directions. Right. And only so much time. Right, exactly. So the, only, the, the best way, one of the best ways to get your message across is to make sure it's clear, concise, and relevant. If it's clear, concise, and relevant, it will cut through the clutter. The problem with that is it doesn't allow – connection takes time. And if I'm just throwing short little stories at you, like you see on many social media platforms, we're not really connecting. We're, we're seeing, but we're not really connecting. So I think we have to live in a world where we can be concise, clear, and relevant – but at the same time, we can give ourselves permission and a little bit of grace to, to slow things down, yeah. to actually connect. I heard a, a recent statistic that I thought was really fascinating. Movies now, in order to keep people's attention, do far more cuts to different scenes and to different angles much more quickly than they did even five, ten years ago. Yeah, because our probably because of social span. media. Right, exactly. Yeah. So we are being primed for these real quick hits yeah. of dopamine and the information. And in some ways, we need that because we've got so much coming at us. But on the other case, on the other hand, that belonging, that connection takes time. So we have to be actually, I think, bilingual. We have to be able to talk clear, concise messages. And we also have to have that other gear where we slow down and we really connect. Yeah. Um, I mean, I bring this up because my show sometimes, if it was up to me, I would go beyond two hours. Like yeah. I love really taking the time to be present, to really pull back the layers, to dive deep into people's stories. This isn't my traditional format. Like you're an expert, so we're here to focus on a subject. But the right. majority of my guests are restaurateurs. Sometimes some of these people have been in the industry for like 50 years, 40 years. Right. And I'm like sharing their life journey. Like how have you grown? What were the biggest right. lessons you learned? And for me, I just, I genuinely like just sitting for like two yeah. hours and talking to somebody. And I think that I get so much 
amazing content in that two hours. I could probably edit it down. But at the same time, I feel like there's a, something missing in society today. Look, I'll, I'll use Joe Rogan as an yeah. example. Number one podcast in the world. I think I heard that stat yeah. once or something like it's that. Very, it's up there. Also sure. the longest. Yeah. So what's going on here? Right. Like, if why is that so successful? Is it because people are starved for, like, like substance in a conversation? I don't know. This is this is the tangential thing that I'm, I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, so I, the, I think there is a need to connect. And when you really get into a, a fascinating conversation – it's almost like a flow experience where you lose track of time. You feel like you, you're there. You feel yeah, like you're a right. part of the conversation. That's right. One of the things that's so fascinating about podcasting is it's a very intimate way of communicating. I mean, you literally have somebody in your ears talking to you. And people talk a lot about that intimacy. And I think it's that intimacy and connection that you're you're reflecting on. So, again, I think we need to be bilingual. We need to be able to do both things. Yeah. Society and, and life mandates clear, concise, relevant, but at the same time, our innate need to connect requires us to do the longer, slower. It's like fast twitch and slow twitch muscle fibers. Yeah. You need both to be I get successful. That. I guess my concern is that the, the, the demands on business to stay relevant in today's society and, and to be all these places and to be creating content on top of being present with right. your staff and present for your guests. And it's just like, what really matters? Right. You know, like, can we just take a few steps back and like yeah. ask ourselves that? But anyway, I digress. We're gonna, well, but I, what, I'll, what I'll add to that is I think restaurants and food establishments are a place of connection yes. where you can slow down, where you can have those conversations. And I know I always hate when I'm feeling rushed at a restaurant, like right. they want to get out, the get report. me out. We need or, to make more money. Get out. Right. It's and, been an and hour and a half. Yeah, exactly. Next. And and the places I like the most are the places that just, just let you sit or you have that perception that you could if you wanted. So right. so I think restaurants, are, uh, context and space is really important in communication. And I think restaurants can be a place of connection. Yes. And when people, you know, the food might be great, but my experience of the food and the ambiance and the way I'm treated, that's what makes me come back. It's the people that work at the restaurant that I go out for. It's the yeah. people I connect with and I enjoy being around. Food right. is sustenance to me. I'll be honest. I enjoy a good meal. I appreciate it. Like a, yeah. At the end of the day, as long as I'm, there's, I'm chewing on something, I'm happy, you know? <laughs> so I think we're going to take our last break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back to, to bust out a couple more applications and then uh, we'll figure out how you can connect with Matt. Uh, I don't know. Do you do like public speaking? Do you do I travel, do. coaching I do. and stuff like uh, that? Absolutely. All right, cool. We'll, we'll learn more about that. Most business problems are people problems, people not understanding each other and the predictive index helps to increase that understanding between others. Hi, I'm Ed Doherty. I am the founder of One Degree Coaching here in Philadelphia. Predictive Index is a talent optimization platform. Been around for over 55 years. It helps leaders to build happier, high-performing teams. My name is Eric Cacciatore. I'm the founder and host of Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast. As somebody who's gone through the PI process, I can tell you that knowing who you are, knowing who your team is can help you be far more intentional than you've ever been with your business. If you want to learn more about PI and get to work with Ed, head to restaurantunstoppable.com slash try PI. If you click the link, sign up for PI, you can create a provisional account. I will set up an opportunity to talk to you directly and read your results and give you a little tour of the platform. See if it works for you. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash try PI. This episode made possible by Owner.com. Owner.com is the quickest and easiest way for your customers to order directly from you without the expensive 30% commission fees. Look. With Owner.com, you'll save thousands every month when customers order through your website and branded app instead of third-party delivery apps and reward your customers with a built-in loyalty program that turns them into regulars who order again and again. Owner.com also helps you rank higher on Google with world-class search engine optimization built specifically for restaurants with an AI-powered website. We cannot forget lists. Build a huge list of people who live near your restaurant fast and market to that list on autopilot with text and email sent at the perfect time to help you grow sales and stay top of mind. Owner.com gives you everything you need to grow and market your restaurant online with no contracts or hidden fees. Visit Owner.com slash unstoppable right now to book your free demo and see why thousands of restaurant owners trust owner.com to power their restaurants online. 
We're back, and when, I'm going to drop a couple more applications on you folks. All right, I'm actually I'm not. I'm going to get Matt to drop a couple <laughs> more applications on you folks. So um, let me ask you before I just kind of start shooting from the hip. Is there one that you really want to bring to the table? An application that you think is specifically relevant to people in the restaurant industry that's that's was shared in your book. So one that I think is really important for people, particularly people who are pitching. So yes, not the, that was the one I was hoping we yeah, would go to. So not not necessarily I mean, I can't imagine a server necessarily using this, but if you're a manager or you're trying to get funding, et cetera, I have a really quick structure that gets you to pitch very concisely and clearly, gives you a great elevator pitch. It's four sentence starters. The first is what if you could? The second is so that. The third is for example. And then finally, the last is that's not all of them. So I, I before let, you dive into this yeah, real quick, I want to. Yeah. There's so many opportunities for servers to use this upselling okay. all day long. Okay, getting great. that check. What if you could have a this one or what? Yeah. So like like all those are great ways to to slide in a, a guest an opportunity to spend more money with you. So let's do this. Let's see if I can think fast and talk smart. I want you to give me a situation that you think um, a, a restaurant owner, a server, or whatever would be in, and I'm going to give you an example of this. I'm structure. anxious. My no, anxiety's flaring. No, 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 no. You do, get you know the world better than I do. Give me a situation because I want people to hear how this works. And I want them to see that by having a structure, I don't know what you're going to say to me. You're going to say something. And in moments, I'm going to respond. It might not be great, but it's going to be a response. Remember, I'm striving for mediocrity here. I'm not putting too much I'm your pressure. Man. <laughs> All right. Give it to me. Wait, so I'm giving you an example? Yeah, well, you no, know, you tell me a situation and I will give you a pitch for it. Uh, oh, man. I don't know if I fully understand what's happening here. Uh, okay. So I want to demonstrate how to pitch in the moment. Okay. But I don't know what to pitch. So you're going to tell me. So imagine you might say you're a... Um, you're a restaurant owner and you want to pitch opening up a, a new or changing the okay. theme of your restaurant, something like Got that. Got it. Uh, okay. So I'm a restaurant owner and I'm at five locations and uh, I'm about to scale. My plan is to scale to, to 15 locations in the next five years. And I need the capital to build out my okay. my restaurant so I can actually make that happen. Great. I only need one more bit of information. What type of restaurant is it? Fast casual uh, taco joint. Excellent. What if you could find Taco Tuesday 200 feet from where you live? That's what I'm trying to do. So that you can come and have that experience without having to stress out. So you're painting a picture of what's possible. For example, imagine you have some work colleagues. You've worked a little later. You want to get a, a good meal that's close, that doesn't require a lot of effort. You can come down to our restaurant that will now be in 15 locations throughout the city. Mm. And that's not all. When we increase the number of people coming in, we'll be able to upsell them for potential special events and holiday parties, et cetera. Yeah. See, I, See how that structure I, – I, I didn't know – you, you told me and literally right. 10, 15 seconds later I'm giving a pitch because the structure gives me a way to start and get through it. Right. I think where this also really applies is trying to get your team to buy in. Yeah. If you're trying to change a system or change yeah. a way of doing things, what if if we tweak this, you know, your job is yeah. so much and that's not all. You might even make more money or like yeah, whatever. Absolutely. You know? yeah. yeah. So what if we put this new uh, beverage distribution system in place so that you could actually get the drinks to the people quicker? For example, we could take an order of 12 drinks and get it out in half the time. Yeah. And that's not all. By doing this, you'll be able to actually upsell more dessert and other things because you're not dealing with all of the, the drinks. So it helps you very quickly get to that point. Yes. This, uh, I think we have room for one more. Sure. So, what, oh man, I, there's, I'm going to give a teaser. We're going to choose one of these two. So the, the, the last two applications in the book um, are feedback and um, – the secrets to saying we're sorry. Yeah. I feel like both of those are really powerful in the restaurant industry because we're constantly giving your – I think we talked a lot about feedback. Sure. Maybe kind of. But I think – let's be honest. I'm going to drop the F-bomb here. Yeah. We fuck up a lot in the restaurant industry sometimes. <laughs> we get things wrong. Like right. we, we screw up sometimes in the restaurant industry and sometimes we have to apologize. That's right. Um, so – how do we go about apologizing? What's the best way to do that? So first and foremost, you should apologize as close to the infraction as you can. Now, there's some reasons why you might not do it immediately, but you want to do it as quickly as you can. And if it was a public mistake, you should po apologize publicly. If it's a personal offense, you should apologize personally. Uh, we often will, will do something publicly and then apologize personally, and that, that, that's not fair to the person who the mistake occurred to. So first thing we need to do when there's a mistake that happens is we have to acknowledge what happened, right? I call this AAA. You have to acknowledge what happened. So 
you want to make sure it's clear. I am sorry when I messed up on your order, right? So it's not I'm sorry that you feel bad that the food isn't there because that's that's putting it on you. I have to apologize for the mistake that I made. I then have to think about how it made you feel and comment on that. I'm sure that when all of your friends were eating and enjoying their meal, it felt awkward to sit there and have to wait for us to correct it. And then you make amends. You have to say, what are you going to do differently next time? Next time you'll say, I'll make sure that I check in and paraphrase your order if I happen to have the pleasure of serving you again. So you, you identify what you've done. You talk about how it makes the person feel, and then you are very direct in what you will do to make it better, differently. Right. This is what Danny Meyer says, writing the end of the story. Right. A mistake happened. Right. You can't change that. You can you can own it. You can acknowledge, empathize, like you said, and then you can write the end of the story and blow them out of the water because right. of how far you're willing to go to make it right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and you're also showing that you're somebody who can learn. And that you're somebody who feels bad, and and that makes us feel good. It's like you've recognized you made a mistake, but it also demonstrates that you're willing to try to make it right and do it better next time. So the AAA approach, I think, is the right way. You know, we call AAA when our cars break down. We can rely on AAA when our interactions break down. Matt, you've given us some great tools today. Is there anything that you were kind of hoping we would discuss or something that I could have brought out of the book that I did not? Now's the time to get it out. Two things I'd like to share. One is many of us feel like we're either born to do this or we're not, the gift of gab or not. So the the thing I'd like to say and share with everybody is we can all get better. Mm. You know, if you're a non-native speaker, if you're somebody who's shy, you too can get better at doing these skills. I've seen it in my own life, the people I coach, the people I teach. And then the second thing, we've touched on it, but I really want to highlight Listening is critical to communicating. We focused a lot on what we say and what we think. You have to take the time to listen. Yes. Because if I don't listen, I might make a mistake. So listening is critical. And I encourage people to slow down, to really listen to what somebody is saying, and then act. I'm gonna I'm gonna direct my listeners to an episode I did with Christine Miles, the author of What Is It Costing You Not to Listen, episode 989, a whole episode dedicated Great. to the power of listening. And I would love to introduce you to her because I, think I would love one. to get to know her. I've interviewed somebody named Julian Treasure, who's a listening expert himself, and I, I'm sure she, as he, has lots of examples and evidence of how listening poorly gets in the way and then give you some good advice about how to listen better. Yeah, she was great. And I got to maybe connect with that guy too. Um, hey, I will. So now is when I ask, uh, who do you respect and admire? Somebody, this is really what I want Restaurant Unstoppable's North Star to be. Go to people who are more intelligent or about certain subjects than I am or just, you know, I think the industry should decide who I'm to, like talking to as far as the restaurant industry goes. But who are the experts that are kind of the nerds, like the, when it comes to like the the kind of like the the history, like the anthropological, the psychology, like who are the people that you think could add value to our listeners or the person? Right. So there, there are a couple of people that come to mind. I mean, I have the true pleasure of interviewing so many amazing people. So I'm going to share a couple with you. Uh, one, there's a professor out of Wharton. His name is Jonah Berger. And Jonah studies language and how we use language. Yes. And I'll give you an example. He had recent research that came out that said when you use present tense verbs, it feels different than when you use past tense. So imagine how it's – how does it feel to you when I said that restaurant was good? But that restaurant is good. Feels very different, right? Yeah. So if I were to say the dessert was good or is good, very different. So language matters. And Jonah does a lot of work on language. Fascinating. I had him on my show, learned a lot from him. There's a woman named Valerie Fridland. Valerie is a, is a, a neurolinguist. She studies the language that we use and the wording and at, what the impact it has on people. And I find it fascinating to think about if you're crafting a menu – if you're trying to name your business, words matter. Yes. You know, I, I have uh, I have two kids. Uh, one of them has just got his license and he wants to drive. And I said, okay, maybe we'll look into getting you a used car. He went and looked and he said, I can't find any used cars. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, all I find are these certified previously owned vehicles. <laughs> and if you think about it, they're the same car. But – you're likely to pay more money for a certified previously owned vehicle, right? So words matter. Right. And then one of my mentors, somebody I really enjoy talking to, her name is Patricia Ryan Madsen. She wrote an amazing book called Improv Wisdom. And you might be saying, improv, what's that got to do with running a restaurant or just life in general? 
most of our life is yeah. improvisation. We're I, making it up. Most of my spot. life is improv. That's for right. sure. <laughs> and, and she's amazing. And this book is very short, and it changed my life. So those are three people that I think would be wonderful for you to interview. Happy to introduce you. And those are people who I think your audience would gain a lot of value from. Yeah. Everything they do is approachable. It's directly applied. It's not too theoretical, but it has some theory behind it. And I find it really interesting. Yeah, and I, this is something that I, I would like to start echoing more. I do think that the answers to our future is in our past, is yeah. in studying how we became who we are today. And yeah. really just like, – and it's a really exciting time because you think of like the advancements we're making in like AI and technology yeah. and all this cool stuff. But at the same time, if you turn around and look the other way and go back into like – we're learning so much about where we came from yeah. and how we developed and yeah. in our minds, the brains, how they work. And I think that the – what is business? Yeah. Like what, what is business to you? I'm curious. Business, business to me is a way to deliver goods and services to people in a way that brings some satisfaction to a need they have. Yeah. I mean, at the core of business, I think it's about relationships. Oh, I see what you're Yes, yeah. absolutely. No, I mean, business is about, yeah, relating to other people, connecting and providing value for them. Right. And how do we serve people better? Yeah. By understanding how they work. Yeah, right through connection, I think so. Yeah, so I, I that's why I geek out over this stuff. Right. I think the answers, to like, and also the solutions to our problems are in our past, right. and just studying, like, how do we, how do we go into the future more intentionally by understanding the our best, the, the how we function, you know, yeah. and like, and then creating a world where there's a path of least resistance to that 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 optimal functioning, you know, and that, that's why I love this stuff. And you talked about the the, the significance of language. Yeah, think about. Like we're we're building cultures in the restaurant industry, yeah. right? Every culture around the world has a specific way they talk. Every business has needs a specific type of language they use. Mm-hmm. It's a part of your culture. It's who you are. You got to be very intentional with your words. So I, I love that you went there with, with these these people, Jonah, Valerie, Pat- uh, Patricia. Look out! I'm coming after you. Yeah. I'd love to get you on the show. And if we were really you know just impressed by you today, um, we're gonna go out and buy your book. It's called Think Faster and Talk Smarter, but maybe we want to work with you. Maybe we want to yeah. hire you to come in and coach our yeah. team. Here's here's the book right there. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Of yeah. course. So uh, I can be found very easily. If you're on LinkedIn, link in with me. I, you can just go to my website, mattabrahams.com. You can tune into the podcast I host all about communication, Think Fast, Talk Smart. Happy to interact, happy to help. My whole goal is to help people communicate better. Yeah, and uh, we'll have links to your podcast and your LinkedIn um, and your uh, your. What's your website? Can you share? MattAbrahams.com. If you already mentioned that and I didn't hear it, I apologize. It's all right. <laughs> you were busy showing the book yeah. around. This is episode uh, 1040. Head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash 1040. We'll link to all that stuff right there uh, if you can't remember all the details. And um, just thank you so much, Matt, for taking the time to share your knowledge and to share your, your best practices. There is no questioning, my dude. You are unstoppable. Thank you very much, Eric. And I have to thank you for being in my house Recording in the studio I recorded. Yeah. It's great to be a guest in my house. Yeah, Thank we, you. we took over the Stanford recording studio here. It's kind of cool to be on Stanford. I mean, you hear so much about the school. You know, it's yeah. cool to be here. Thank, Thank you. you I appreciate it. Yeah, welcome. Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Matt Abrahams, for coming on the show and teaching us how to think faster and talk smarter. This was a really great uh, book. I really enjoyed reading it. And whether you're a restaurant owner, a general manager, a uh, AGM, or a back of house line staff, or an executive chef, or a server, no matter who you are, it will behoove you to be a better communicator. I highly recommend you pay for this episode to your entire team. There's lessons here for everybody and and definitely pick up a copy of this book and pass it around. It was a a good read. I really enjoyed it and I know you're going to benefit from it. So there are so many things happening right now at Restaurant Unstoppable. Uh, For one, we are completely breaking down and rebuilding Restaurant Unstoppable Network. We're we're moving away from money networks and we're building this thing on a new platform uh, that we think is going to work better for us. Uh, We're also going to create tiers within the network. Um, so the first tier is going to be at right, right now. All I'm going to say is it's going to be a content library. So right now, if you go to restaurantstoppable.com, you're completely overwhelmed by the mountain of content there. You're like, where does where do you even start? So what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to organize our content into buckets and sub like little playlists, and that's going to be like an ongoing process. And then we're also going to have a second tier where we're going to teach you how to do something very specific. Um, that's a little teaser, but it's going to be a community based around how to do this thing. Um, 
And that's all I want to say for now because we're still figuring it out and I don't want to get too far ahead of my skis. So that's exciting. But what's really exciting as of today, November 6th, I am moving out of my apartment by the end of this week and I am committing. I've been committed to 100% on-site interviews, but I'm I'm going to sacrifice myself to the road gods and I'm living full-time on the road to go after the story, to get in front of the people who the industry is steering me to. Like I'm out there, I'm talking to these restaurateurs. I'm asking for their advice. I'm asking for leads and I want my guests and their networks and the people they respect and admire to be the the ones I get on the show and the people who they're naturally organically talking about during our interviews to be who I get on the show. And the only way to do that is to really just go after it and just stay on the road for months on end. So in order to do this, the, the plan is to secure an RV, whether it's a pull behind RV or a driving motorhome. Um, we're trying to become 100% mobile so we can go after just real, genuine, authentic, transparent, honest content. That's the goal. Um, and until I secure my RV in complete transparency, uh, I'm refinancing my school loans and consolidating my school loans. And after I do that, the plan is to try to get financing for an RV. Uh, but until I can figure out the details and the logistics behind that, I still got to come up with two episodes a week to you know deliver on my promise to my sponsors and my commitment to you. So if you're willing to host me in your city, if you think Restaurant Unstoppable should come to your city and you're willing to host me, uh, maybe you have a spare bedroom or you have an Airbnb that you can rent me on the cheap. I am I am on a budget to try to save money to um, you know take this thing to the next level. And any support I can get, I am taking with open arms. So email me, eric at restaurantstoppable.com. If you want me to come to your city and you're willing to host me for at least a week or two um, while I go and I interview the badasses in your community, uh, your restaurant community. So uh, can't say goodbye without saying thank you to the people who help, who help make this podcast possible. Thank you to Jared Parisi for your copyright and editing with Sumadre podcast. Thank you, Callan Miola for being our community manager and thank you, Anatazin with a good kind consulting for your executive support and counsel. That's it for today. Until next time, peace out.